Hello everybody. I am so glad you're here. I'm Ray Hughes and welcome to the Listening Porch. I want to do just a few minutes of mountain talk. I'm not talking about accents and southernisms here. I'm talking about, I want to talk to you about the mountain. You know, mountains are all throughout Scripture and have have, uh, numerous um, highlighted purposes in Scripture. Uh, They're typically connected to a place where God performed something that awakened purpose based upon His presence. So the presence of God on Mount Gibeon or the presence of God on Mount Moriah, and there's some performance of his power that would set a truth in motion that as people over the generations would look back to that mountain or back to that day uh, and realizing that the presence of God had done something so significant that it, it really was to be remembered and recounted and, and, and carried forth. Uh, sometimes it would be ritual that would be uh, born out of the remembrance. Uh, not always, but there would always be, whether there was ritual or not, the remembrance was incredibly important for God's people because the significance of what God did there is what they would identify with and carry as a part of their own personal expressed nature, right? But, you know, so much of it was around the mountains. A mountain is just a a massive, a massive, usually steep-sided, raised portion of the Earth's surface, right? And uh, mountains can occur as as a single peak or a part of a long chain, you know, like a mountain range, like the Appalachian Mountain Range, or you know, in Ireland you might see the McGillicuddy Reeks, which is a, a long spread of mountain, or you, or you might just look at Croke Patrick, one big mountain, and it carries all kinds of remembrance and identity, and a sense of home, and a sense of belonging. But a mountain is an incredible thing in Scripture, and also, you know, down through the ages in all many cultures, I mean, they identify. For example, you know, a mountain, whether it's a a peak or or a long chain, either one, they can form through volcanic activity by erosion or or by the uplift of, of the continental crust when the two tectonic plates collide. So when you have two tectonic plates collide, well, when they slam into each other, they got to go somewhere, and typically they go up. And uh, example, the Himalayas, the which is, are the highest mountains in the world, they were formed when, when the plate that was carrying a landmass of India collided with the plate carrying the landmass of China. I find that incredibly interesting. But mountains are not just a science project. And and mountains are not just a um, metaphorical lesson to be learned. Mountain is a picture of the beauty of an upheaval. 
even in the book of Kings there, where you see, uh, you know, Elisha goes out and he says, Lord, open the eyes of my servant and let him see what's going on. All this, all the servant was extremely upset and nervous over what was about to happen to him. He was even even warning the old, the old prophet, "Oh no, your prophecies are too accurate, and they're too relevant. And now we're in trouble, and you've brought the enemy down on us. What's going to happen to us? Oh no!" In that moment of panic, that's when the old guy he says, "Lord, open the eyes of my servant and let him see what's really going on." And that's when he looked and around the mountains were the fiery chariots and horses and warriors that were not visible, not available to the sight until that moment when he prayed the simple prayer, open the eyes of this young man and let him see that there are more with us than there are against us. And where was that? It says all around the mountains. And so, in other words, a place of upheaval, was carrying everything you need for you, the victories of your future. I think that's a that's a, a powerful picture to us all. What looks like, feels like, and appears to be great upheaval in our life is sometimes the gathering of the gathering of the warriors and the gathering of the those that will fight our battles in the future. You know, it's a. Um, when we see this whole principle of the the seven mountains of culture, you know, there's uh, there's always um, that uh, knowing that the mountains are not just a metaphor. Mountains are are just the way people think, the way people process so often, and 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 again, look in Scripture, Isaiah two is, was the mountain of the Lord. There's Mount Moriah. And if you look at the things God did there, then that becomes the picture of what he'll do in the future. Mount Gibeon, Mount Pisgah, Mount Zion. I've been to Mount Zion. I've been to all these mountains. I've been to Samuel's Mountain. I walk around Samuel's Mountain, and I see Hannah's Mikvah down there over the back of the hill, and I see there's there's the tomb of, of Samuel, and this is where, this was Naoth Ramah, where, where the, the um, there was a garrison of Philistines, and and Samuel gave the prophecy and told Saul, when you're going up up that mountain, you're going to be coming down from the mountain. You're going to meet a, a group of musicians. And when they play, you will be changed into another man. I can never go up on that hill without considering what happened on that mountain and realizing once again that there's got to be mountains in the earth today that have such powerful place of God's purpose and presence that People can encounter God, and when they come down off that hill, they'll, they're, they're carrying something that will change culture and change political systems, change economic systems, and I'll say it, change the future as a result of the encounters that would ha- have happened in the presence of God on that hill. And so mountain is a picture of the beauty that can come out of these places of upheaval. You know, another thing that a mountain speaks to me is that it says that there's a, there's a subtle awareness of God's faithfulness for it to still stand. Also, when I some of the thoughts that I've had when I would look at a mountain and uh, you know, there's sometimes there's this bold, startling statement of His awe and power. And I mean, you can you can't go to Switzerland and and even places in the Highlands of Scotland. I mean, you're standing. You're standing beside one of God's statements as he is revealing his 
awe and his power and his grandeur, which what's he doing? He is uh, using creation to reveal his nature. For some, and maybe for you, a mountain represents familiarity, uh, belonging, and home. And uh, maybe you're maybe you're a sojourner though. For the sojourner passing through, it's a it might be a point of reference for the journey. You ever feel like you're just passing through? Maybe you're in a season where you're just passing through. You know this is not where you'll stay. You know this is not where you belong. But on your journey, you know that you're going to be picking up things along the way, uh, if you will. Just uh, let, let me say it like this. For the sojourner passing through, well, a mountain is a point of reference for the journey. You're moving from horizon to horizon. And, you know, like back in the old days, if you didn't have those uh, places of the pinnacle out there in front of you, you could be lost very quickly. And uh, yeah, th think about what when Daniel Boone came through Cumberland Gap, he, you know, he came down the what would become the Great Valley Road and down that long Powell Valley and all of that. And he came out of the Carolinas. And by the time he got to Cumberland Gap and he came through the gap with 30 axemen, and they're going to cut their way through the wilderness into what would become Kentucky. Had they not been able to have points of reference to maintain their bearings, I mean, that could have been a disaster. They knew how to read their journey. They traveled from Pinnacle to pinnacle, high point to high point. Uh, and I dare say many of us live our lives like that, and we, we will not be able to go forward if we don't have some high points in our life. Your bearings are dependent upon your ability to navigate from and to. And let's just say it like this, from glory to glory. And let those, let those high places and high seasons of your life mark you in such a way that you're willing to go through the, the depths of the wilderness, but your bearings will always be based on where you came from and where you're going to. Where you are is not always uh, the end, is it? Because you are. You're, you're a sojourner. You're passing through, and you better be paying attention to the high places behind you and the high places in front of you. You know, some are, some are called to the mountains uh, by their, their personal need for solitude and independence. You know, when I, I think of the old Celtic saints when uh, they didn't go into those places, into the mountains to just as a result of sentence to penance, you know. They didn't go there for penance. They went there for presence. They went there for solitude. They went there uh, to engage with the Lord more than they desired to engage with culture. And uh, all of the crazy busyness of, of humanity's meanderings didn't appeal to them anymore. They wanted, they wanted to know God in a deeper way, and they would go and find him in the mountains uh, without the distractions. But to some, a mountain can even be an obstacle to be overcome. And there's biblical uh, um, precedence for that, you know, talking about the obstacles that are before us that we have to overcome or or even it speaks of being cast into the sea. and uh, But some see a mountain as something that just suddenly, when they see a mountain, they see something that's got to be conquered. 
There's a drivenness and a warlike spirit that says, I'm going to conquer that mountain. I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to climb the highest mountain in the world. When I see a place like that, you know, I don't think about climbing that mountain. I think about, I want to just sit down and, and look at it for a minute and realize, wow, I love places that make me whisper. Wow. And then I want to write a song about it. I want to write a poem about it. I want, I want to process the beauty that I'm looking at and apply it to my life. Here's a little piece that I wrote called Music and Noise. You know, mountains can be places of beauty and solitude and, 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 and connection. And that is also per place, purpose, and presence oriented. Beyond the solitude and silence, a symphony is poised. Soon heaven's thoughts will thunder as the mountain hears its joys. He will echo the love and laughter as angels fan the rain. Eternal lyrics splash and splatter while the river sings again. Green the leaves drinking and dancing till all is drenched in song. Crescendos raise a flowered finale. Silence is overtaken and gone. But solitude, unmoved and unshaken, like the symphony poised, for mountains can discern the difference between heaven's music and noise. I wrote that one day, uh, looking at one of those beautiful mountains, and when the rain came, it did not disturb at all. It just became a, a part of the beauty of the whole scene. You know, to some like I say, a mountain can be an obstacle to be overcome. For some, it'd be awakening of a warlike spirit to climb it. Some see it for its beauty, and it awakens who they are. And they're drawn to worship rather than walk in the side of the mountain. I just want to just sit there and worship uh, God as I see the beauty of what he is uh, awakening my spirit with. Some have become so familiar that that they don't even see it anymore until the sun highlights its presence. I think of being in, in uh, Redding, California many times. In a, I'd be sitting at a traffic light or in the middle of, middle of traffic and all the noise, you know, all the activity and getting ready to turn right up here. And, and all of a sudden, I would look past the cars and the noise and everything, and I would see Mount Shasta in the distance and and the sun would just, uh, suddenly there was just like a, a spectacular presence way out there in the distance that just attracted my attention and reminded me who I was and where I was. Some see the mountains as provision, and some abuse the mountains out of their preoccupation with need and greed. But the mountains are, are special to me because they're always speaking the mountains are ever speaking, singing, proclaiming, declaring, and saying. They welcome life and those who love it. They don't fear stillness and silence. They know that their silence awakens our voices. Their beauty speaks and we whisper back. Rivers look for minstrels born to sing rippling ballads. And cliffs echo and serve the language of poets. Valleys welcome those that stand in awe until whispers shout. 
wildflowers surprise heaven and embellish earth. And soft rain sprinkles circles of light on hidden ponds. And the whole world longs, knowingly and unknowingly, to hear what's being said by mountains that are ever speaking. Well, hey, gotta go. Blessings on you. Go find you a mountain today and just take a break. Take a beautiful little moment to just look at that mountain and thank the one who made it. Thanks for coming to the Listening Porch. Now you may have to leave, but you don't have to stay gone. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash Ray Hughes. There you'll find video versions of this podcast. I also have numerous online courses at selaministries.com. And don't forget to take a look at the beautiful handmade ink pens at redriverturning.com. See you next time on the Listening Porch.